Good morning. We're so glad that you are here this morning. For those that are joining us online, we welcome you. And for those that are Okatee campus, we say welcome this morning. We're so glad that you would join us. Um, real quick, I just want to emphasize one of the things that Jason has already mentioned, and that is our missions weekend. So it's, it's coming up quickly. I know uh, for those of you that are planners in the rooms, like I know some of you, like you've got your calendar mapped out from now until the end of the year. I hope that you've made space for uh, that missions weekend. In particular, I want to invite you for the dinner on that Friday evening. I, know, I don't know what you have, might have going on that Friday evening, but you just don't want to miss this. This is a great opportunity for you to come and hear from our partners and the things that are going on. But it's also an opportunity for you to get to know some other folks that are a part of Cornerstone. So that's always a fun time, you know, when, when you get into a church sometimes and you're here on a Sunday, uh, you don't always get to know some folks. And so this is an opportunity for you to get to know uh, some other guys and gals that will be there and just hang out a little bit and share and hear some of the stories of what God's doing around the world. So I hope that you'll make room for that. But in particular, I wanted to invite our Okatee campus and say, hey, we want you to come and be a part of this. Uh, we're we're, we're going to make some space in particular for you guys to be able to come together and hang out and just enjoy being together as you've worked so, so hard uh, getting that campus up and going, and which is today, I believe, is our sixth Sunday uh, in our meeting space. So uh, anyway, grab a Bible if you have one and turn to the book of Genesis. We're at the very beginning of the Bible. We're continuing our series in the life of Joseph, a series called Detours. Um, Detours, and we've talked a lot about detours in this, but detours are not fun. We just want to admit that. They're not fun. The journey that we're on is not always going to be pleasant. In fact, along the way, one of the things that you're going to find with detours is with detours in your life comes hurt. And today in particular, I want to talk about hurt and how do we deal with the hurt that has happened to us along the way. And it comes in all shapes and sizes. So as we get started, I want you to watch this video real quick, and the video will be finished at the end of my message. So this is part one of this video. So take a look at it, and then we're going to talk about different ways that we are hurt in our life. All right? So I don't know everybody's story in the room, but one of the things that, that I'm learning is that everybody that I know is carrying some kind of a hurt with them. 
The hard thing about hurt is if you really don't get to this place of dealing with it in your life, um, it will really negatively impact a lot of other areas of your life. So you, you saw some testimonies, so to speak, of the ways some people have been hurt. But I wonder in your life, like, where, where has the hurt come from? And so I wonder, I want to, I want to use an illustration this morning, and, and I just want you to see some of the ways that maybe you've been hurt. I originally was going to have you actually write it down, and so if you're somebody who wants to write some things down, grab some paper, or you can use, there's on, on the back of that Cornerstone on Mission, there's a little bit of space that you could just make a note on there. But I want you to think about the way in particular that you in your life have been hurt by other people. Because everybody I know has been hurt in some form or fashion. Sometimes it's, it's simple. It's, it's words, right? Sometimes you're hurt because of the words that people say to you. That usually starts when you're younger, doesn't it? You're younger and, and you're in school or you're hanging around the neighborhood and somebody says something about you. And that stays with you in your mind. I can think of different times that I was called names in my life. And I can think of different times that I called people's name, uh, called people names in their life. You know what I'm saying? Like, it goes back and forth. But the reality of it is, it doesn't stop when you're a child. You continue to carry that with you into adulthood. And in some ways, you're doing that. And, and what happens is you carry that hurt that you, yourself, experienced and walked through and you bring it into man sometimes you bring it in as a parent and you say things to your kids I don't know if that's part of your story but I know that's part of my story is at different times I've said things to my kids or I've spoken in a tone to them that I shouldn't speak to them and it all comes down to words and I want you to think about something I've I've just sort of want to give you this illustration so what happens is we've been hurt by words and so we take those and we kind of wrap it up like this, right? Kind of got it. And we put it in our, our bag. But then something else happens, right? So it's not just words. Sometimes we're bullied. And that's a big thing that's happening today. All of our schools have an anti-bullying policy, which probably not implemented as well as it should be. I'm just going to throw that out there if you're in school. So I'm with you on that. But you know, being bullied doesn't even just stop when you're a child. Sometimes it happens when you're an adult. Sometimes it happens in your household where maybe there's a, a mom or a dad or a stepmom or a stepdad in the picture, and, and sometimes they are the ones that are doing the bullying to the children. And I don't know if that's part of your story, but I would imagine that there's somebody listening today that that's part of their story, that you've been bullied along the way. And we kind of do the same thing with being a bully, right? So we kind of carry that with us. However we were bullied as a kid growing up, we wrap it up, throw a rubber band on it, and we put it in our bag. And it's right there with us. But see, it doesn't stop there, right? It doesn't stop. So sometimes you have people that are abused. I'm just going to let that sit for a minute. Because it's something that we don't always talk about. But I would imagine there's a larger percentage of people that are listening today that have been abused and would like to admit and abuse comes in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes it's verbal abuse. Sometimes it's sexual abuse. 
Sometimes it's emotional abuse. And we do the same thing with abuse that we do with words because it hurts. In some ways it hurts way worse because really when we talk about abuse, we're talking about abuse is usually by the hands of someone who is supposed to love us and care for us and nurture us. And what we find along the way is when we experience abuse, we don't feel like we ever have a safe place. And we do the same thing with abuse as we do with these other things, and we take it, we wrap it around something, put a rubber band on it, and we stick it in our bag. For some, and I know some people that have this story, I would use the word abandoned. Some of you, I imagine, grew up in a way that um, maybe your mom and or father walked out on you. For some, maybe it wasn't a mom or a dad. Maybe it was a spouse where you said, till death do us part. And it wasn't too long after that that they decided that they didn't want to live up to those vows for whatever reason. And so they just walked out on you and they walked out on your family and they completely abandoned you. And guess what you're doing with abandonment? You're doing the same thing as you do with these other things is you wrap it around this block You put a rubber band on it, and you stick it in your bag. And a lot of times we stick it in our bag because we really don't want to deal with it. It's easier for us to pretend like it's not really there. And so you think about maybe it wasn't abandonment for you. Maybe it was that your spouse cheated on you. And you're still walking around with the hurt that comes with, again, somebody who promised till death do us part, but instead they decided that they would find love in the arms of somebody else. And you do the same thing. You kind of wrap it around this brick and you put a rubber band on it and you stick it in your bag, and you're trying to figure out how do I cope with, and just two more real quick to give you an illustration is sometimes it's that you were rejected by somebody. This could have been a parent. This could have been maybe your best friend. Maybe the word isn't rejected for you. Maybe it's betrayed for you, and you're kind of holding on to that in your life. And by the way, each of these things in some way, in some form, in some fashion, will mold and shape you into the person that you are today. In fact, you may look around and you may wonder, why in the world do I keep people at arm's length and I don't really have close friendships? And when you look around, it probably means that one of these things, if not, I know in some cases, all of these things may have happened to you. And you were rejected, and you do the same thing. You wrap it up, and you stick it in your bag. And then your, the last one, which is a hard one, again, we don't talk about it very much, but maybe in some way, some form, some fashion, you were violated. Maybe that means that you were attacked, you were robbed, you were raped. And you're carrying that with you. And you don't really know what to do. And it's kind of a heavy thing because we do the same thing with all of these hurts and in the room there's all of these hurts are are I mean man this isn't the exhaustive list either but we stick it we put it in our bag and here's what I want you to see this is what we wind up doing with it right 
we stick it in the bag, in a lot of ways, we decide that we're just going to carry it with us. And we're never going to deal with it. And so we decide, hey, I think it's a really good idea to just kind of pretend like these aren't here. And some of you are looking at me like, Pastor, I don't think you should be carrying all that on your back. And I'm going to be real honest. When I picked these bricks up the other day and I lifted them one by one, it wasn't that big of a deal. I threw them in my backpack this morning to come to church. And I thought, man, this is a lot heavier than I thought it was going to be. But I wanted to illustrate a point. Because this is what we're doing if we don't deal with our hurt. And by dealing with our hurt, what I mean is what Joseph walked through in his life. So if you go back to his story, um, you know, he's betrayed by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. He finds a place in Potiphar's house where he's accused of something that he didn't do. He finds himself in prison, but he's forgotten by the baker and the cupbearer for a couple of years. He finally winds up in Pharaoh's presence. And then last week what we talked about was how in the world you see glimpses of grace all throughout his next encounter with his brothers. I mean, how in the world? And I don't know your story, but I would imagine if you're that person and you're Joseph and you're coming face to face with people who have hurt you in your life, you're wondering how in the world is it that Joseph can extend grace to those that have hurt him and sold him into slavery? How in the world can he do that? And I want to tell you how he could do that. First and foremost... It happened through the word forgiveness. It happened through the word forgiveness. And that's one of those hard words. Like we've talked about it, you know, as a follower of Jesus. Like you've probably heard the word forgiveness more than you would like to admit that you've heard the word. And and the question becomes, how does it translate into my life in particular? So let let me go over a couple things, really. Okay, five things first. These are five myths about forgiveness. We've talked about these in the past, by the way, as a church. So if they sound a little familiar with it, that's why. It's been a, it's been a few years since we've touched on this. But let me just go over this. The five myths about forgiveness. The first one is this. Forgiveness is not forgetting. In fact, as I was reading and listening to some folks this week talking about forgiveness, there was one person in particular that was talking about, in order to forgive, you have to forget, and I have to disagree with you, because forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiving is not getting to this place of going, I've forgotten what has happened to me. I know Joseph even talked about, he named his child that the Lord has caused him to forget, but the reality of it is, he's about to, when he names his child, he's about to come face to face with his brothers, and in some ways, I look at that, and I wonder if God's not going, okay, let's just see how you're going to deal with this. Because not only am I going to come, you're going to come face to face with them, but now we're going to see how you respond. And the reality of it is what you see in the life of Joseph in that moment is that he, yes, he forgave them, but he really didn't forgive them because he even reminds them. Not in a negative way. But when he comes face to face before that moment of embracing, he says, you, right, you meant this, you meant to hurt me. But I'm telling you, that's the bigger picture. We're going to talk about that next week of what you see God doing. But it started with him getting to that place of 
forgiveness. Forgiving is not forgetting. You, you, will, you will always come face to face with the hurt that you've experienced in your life. Something will happen, something will trigger it, you will run into that person, you will see that person, especially in the days of social media. If you continue to be friends with even some mutual friends, and in some ways you're seeing something about them, and you're not going to forget the pain, right, is going to come back to mind with what happened to you. Forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving, though, doesn't mean that you no longer feel the pain of their offense, right? I talk about this with folks from time to time who have experienced some things. And sometimes we're told, like, well, if you really forgive somebody, you know, you're not going to feel that pain. And I want to tell you, I just don't believe that. I believe that if you actually, if you forgive them, you're still going to feel the pain of the offense. And by the way, while each of these bricks that I have in my bag here While each of them weighs almost the exact same amount, I do want to say that for each of the offense that we've listed on those, some of them are, some of them hurt way more than others. But forgiving does not mean that you no longer feel the pain of the offense. And why that's a myth and in some ways even a lie for you is you might be sitting there and you've worked through this and you've forgiven somebody and you still feel the pain that comes up in that at time to time. And you're like, well, maybe I haven't forgiven them. And you start then to feel guilty about it because you still feel the pain of the offense. But I would say, no, forgiving does not mean that you no longer feel the pain of the offense. Forgiving does not mean that you cease longing for justice. This is a tough one. In some ways, we've been hurt. And there's, there's not really justice if you've been hurt because of name calling or in some ways even being a bully or some things like that but like I said as you walk along those hurts and you get to those that place of like where you've been violated in some way where you've been abused in some way like just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that you cease longing for justice right because the reality of it is there are consequences to our actions And so you might be in this place like you're walking through that and somebody might give you some counsel to say, well, you just need to forget about it. You should just let it go and you shouldn't try to seek justice for this. But the reality of it is it's okay for you to seek justice. We're going to talk a little more about that as we walk through a few scriptures in the New Testament that talk about forgiveness. For Joseph, let me just be real honest. I'm looking at his life. I'm looking at the way that he approached his brothers in Genesis. And what happens is as he comes face to face with them, and we walked through that last week, um, you wonder in some ways, like, well, why is Joseph doing the things that he's doing? Why did he, you know, put him in prison for three days and then he choose one to stay behind, keep him in prison before he sent the others back home with the, the supplies that his family needed and he kept the one, but then his brothers show back up and they've got Benjamin with him. And so then finally they, they give them everything they need after they had a meal together. They send them on their way, but put the silver cup. Like, why is that stuff happening along the way? Well, in some ways, it's, it's not justice, but in some ways, it's like, I, I want to be mindful before, before I open the door again, because this is number four, right? Before I open the door is, forgiving does not mean that you make it easy for the offender to hurt you again. 
And that's what Joseph was doing along the way in this. He was just being mindful of, of what his brothers had done to him. And he wanted to see, he wanted to know, right, if his brothers had really changed or not. And so they walked through all of that stuff, these different things he put out there. And then he finally heard what he wanted to hear when they brought Benjamin back into Joseph's presence with his brothers. They were willing to do anything to protect Benjamin, right? So as to not hurt their father or see their father go through the hurt that he had gone through with what happened to Joseph. So forgiving does not mean that you make it easy for the offender to hurt you again. So you're not walking back into that stuff. You're being mindful of it. And then the last one, when you talk about myths of forgiveness, and this is, this is one that you're going to have to remind yourself of, and it's really simple. It says this, that forgiving is rarely a one-time climactic event. I wish it were. I wish that I could tell you right now that if you would just this morning, if you would just choose in your heart to forgive everybody that ever hurt you in your life, then you will never feel that pain again. You will never hurt again. You will never, I wish I could tell you that, but it's just not true. Because the reality of it is that forgiving is an ongoing thing. Forgiveness is something, honestly, that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and when you remember the hurt that somebody caused you in your life and that's recalled to mind again, you have to remind yourself, I have chosen to forgive them. You see, forgiveness means, right, forgiveness means in, in its depth is that you are, you are no longer holding the offense against the offender. And that's a, that's a hard, hard thing for all of us, especially as you move through the list of ways that people have been hurt. But true forgiveness means that you're just no longer going to hold the offense against the offender. It doesn't mean that you need to welcome them into your life. It doesn't mean that you have to give them a seat around your table. None of those things have to be true, but it just means that you are operating in a way that you're no longer holding the offense against them. And so when it comes back to mind, maybe it's triggered because somebody says something or does something or you see something and it comes to mind and you're going, but wait a minute, I have forgiven that person and I am no longer holding the offense against the offender. In fact, one of the ways that you can see if you, if you really got to that place of forgiveness the real sign of forgiveness is that you don't seek to punish, but rather seek the good of the other person. It doesn't mean that you have to be the one stepping into it, but it just means that you're no longer seeking to punish that person. You're no longer seeking to get revenge on that person. You're no longer seeking, you know, for the worst things for that person. You're no longer daydreaming about ways that, that you could inflict pain on that person. You're because you've chosen in your heart to forgive the offense of the offender. And you are no longer going to hold it against them. Why? Why in the world 
would you do that? I decided this week that I would preach with this bag on my back. And here's something that I started to think about when it comes to hurt and it comes to living with unforgiveness. You see, unforgiveness paves the way to bitterness. And when you hold on to bitterness, man, the only person that's hurting is you. In fact, I would even say it this way as a, as a point of illustration. I've been hurt in my life at different times and different ways. But guess what? Even if I all seven of those things that I listed, there's seven bricks in my bag. And guess who's not carrying the weight of that hurt with me? The offender. They're, they're not helping you carry the weight of the offense. And the longer that you go not dealing with forgiveness and not coming face to face, right, with the offense in the way that you've been hurt, and the longer that you hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness, it will impact you in a way, and it will only impact you until it begins to spill over from your life into the lives of other people around you who you then are hurting. Because hurt people hurt people. So I would, I would really say to you this morning, as a follower of Jesus, and I want you to deal with your hurt. It took Joseph 20-something years before he came face-to-face with his brothers. And I can't imagine while he's alone in Potiphar's house, while he's alone in prison, while he's leading Egypt through those seven years of plenty, up until the two years of famine, when he finally comes face-to-face with his brothers. I just can't imagine how he had to work through all of the hurt that he would have every time he thought about what his brothers had done to him. And who knows what else that's not even mentioned in the Scriptures. And then as he landed in prison from Potiphar's wife's accusations against him, and he's carrying that with him and carrying that with him, it, the bitterness alone would have killed him. And if he never dealt with it in a forgiving manner, right, it just would have spilled over into any other relationship that he tried to build in his life. That's, that's what Joseph would have done. But see, Joseph, I really believe that the way that Joseph got to the place of going, hey, I want grace to flow through me into those around me, in order for him to get to that place, it started with forgiveness. It started with him recognizing that I'm going to forgive, which means I'm no longer going to hold the offense of the offender against them. Because I don't want it to be the thing that I carry around with me that hurts other people as well. So, when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness, there's three verses that are three passages that I want to go to in the New Testament, but this is the big picture, right? Forgiveness comes to us and flows through us. Forgiveness comes to us, think of it this way, like through the cross of Jesus Christ, you have been offered the forgiveness of all of your sins. 
In fact, the way that Scripture would say it comes to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and it says this, that God in Christ forgave us. He says this, and this is, this is a tough one, right? So get rid of, and he starts listing these things, bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And you're sitting there going, okay, you had me until, and then fill in the blank, whichever one was for you, right? So like bitterness, Bitterness stems from unforgiveness. Rage. I would, I would imagine the rage, if you are somebody that's angry and rageful, that's probably because you've been hurt somewhere in your past and you've never come face to face with it and you've never chosen to walk through forgiveness for the person that has offended you. Get rid of all rage, anger, harsh words. How many of you say harsh words to people? probably more than we want to admit, say things that I shouldn't say. I mean, we're all like Peter in the New Testament, aren't we? We're like, we say it, and we're like, oh, I just wish I could just reel that back in. Just want to, and you're like, I can't. It's already been said. It's already, by the way, not only has it been said, but it's landed on the ears of the person that you wanted to say it to. And as much as you want to take it back, and as much as you might immediately say, I didn't mean it, guess what? What we all know is you did mean it because you said it. Because Scripture tells us with the overflow of the heart, my lips will speak. And it landed. And you know, as well as I do, that it will take uh, hundreds of positive things to say to overcome the one negative thing that you wish you had never said how many of you are still holding on to a critical statement or a critical comment that somebody made to you along the way how many of you are still holding on to a name that you were called when you were a child even though you've had countless other people speak well of you but you remember the one thing get rid of all bitterness rage anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior but this is the this is the the next step right instead be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another just as god through christ has forgiven you which, by the way, if you do a, just a quick look of when Jesus talked about forgiveness, he gave a lot of different examples of what forgiveness would look like over and over and over again. In fact, Peter at one time, because I, I, I really do identify with Peter and the things that he said, Peter kind of in uh, being an exhausted moment says, but Lord, how many times do I forgive? Have you ever wondered that? How many times do I forgive? And if you grew up in in the church, you've heard the response to this. The response is that you should forgive 70 times 7. Which my math, I think, is 490. I don't know what the new math says it is. (laughs) 
and you're going, this is, this is me, if I were Peter, having a conversation with Jesus. Are you sure? <laughs> and he would say, yes, I am. 70 times 7. Because guess what? As a follower of Jesus, you've been forgiven way more than that. Way more than that. And I know that, that you might sit here and go, but, but pastor, you don't know the people who have hurt me. And I would say, I don't know the people who have hurt you. But Jesus does know the people who have hurt you. And guess what? He died for them too. And He is offering forgiveness to them too. And forgiveness comes to you to flow through you into the lives of other people. Number two, God forgave us in Christ by canceling the debt we owed Him. Colossians 2 12 through 15 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. If you have your Bible open, go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, and circle the word all, because guess what the word all means? All of them. Isn't that great news for all of us? That He, through Christ, has forgiven all of our sins. Now here's, here, in case you're wondering, maybe you're going, well, well, what does that mean? Well, what it means is this. He canceled the record of charge is against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And that victory on the cross gives you victory over anything that will happen to you in your life. I'm not saying it won't happen to you, but I'm telling you that you can find freedom and forgiveness, right? Because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. He forgave us by canceling the debt that we owed him. He said, you no longer owe me. He is no longer holding the offense of the offender against them. And in Christ, we are the offender. And when it comes to us, it can flow through us into the lives of other people. Number three, real quick, says this. Forgiving others as God has forgiven us means that we will not seek revenge. And that's a tough one. And again, but you don't know, and I don't know. And I'm not trying to minimize what has happened to you. But I am saying, through the cross of Christ, I know that you can find forgiveness for yourself and that can flow through you into the lives of other people. Romans 12, 
17 through 19 says this. Never pay back evil with more evil. Think of it this way in case you don't want to consider yourself to be an evil person. Never pay back hurt with more hurt. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And then he says this, dear friends, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And you want to know something? There's just something that's freeing about that. There's just something about trusting for God to take care of what has happened to you and for you not feeling like you're the one that has to step in and pay back somebody for the hurt that they caused you. Your responsibility is simply to offer forgiveness, which means that you are no longer going to hold the offense against the offender. It doesn't mean you're going to make it easy for them to step back into your life and hurt you again. It doesn't mean that you're never going to feel any pain. It doesn't mean that you're going to forget about it. It just simply means that when it comes to mind, all you have to do is remind yourself that you have forgiven that person and you're not going to hold the offense against the offender because they are not, they are not carrying the weight of unforgiveness with you. That's yours all by yourself. But here's the thing. Through the cross of Christ, because He has offered forgiveness to you, when it flows through you into the lives of other people, all of a sudden, you get to this place where, you know what? You can just lay it down. You can lay it down. And when you lay that down, man, the burden gets laid down as well. And guess what? Jesus, He'll pick that up. And He will carry it with you. That's why you get to that verse in Romans 12. Let Him be the one to take care of it. Because you no longer have to because you've laid it down. Two things real quick I just want to share. The first one just says this. Your wounds don't define you, but they can refine you. I know that there are, there are more people in this room and watching and at River Ridge today. They, they have wounds that I probably couldn't even begin to imagine, couldn't even begin to fathom. Those things don't have to define you, but I do want to tell you, and we're going to get into this a little more next week, God will use them. If you will allow Him, and I want to say that, because, man, if you, if you walk in unforgiveness, and that turns into bitterness, like, You're not really allowing God to work in your life. But if you will allow Him, He will take those wounds and those hurts and He will use them to refine you, to mold and to shape you into the person that He wants you to be. And here's my last thing before I close. This is a quote. Tony Evans said this. He said that God will recycle your pain and transform it for His purpose. God will recycle your pain and transform it for His purpose. I know that I believe that. 
Do you believe that? Do you believe that the things that you've walked through, that God can say, I can use it? That's what we're going to talk about next week when you get to the end of the story of Joseph, how God used it for his purpose and for his glory. I'm wearing this this hoodie today. It's not what I would normally wear on a Sunday. But the reason that I'm wearing this hoodie is my my mother-in-law gave this to me a few years ago for um, Christmas. And the interesting thing about this hoodie is that this hoodie, you wouldn't know it, but this is actually made um, with recycled plastic bottles. Now, it's not all recycled plastic bottles. But I think 7 to 10% of the material that's in this particular hoodie is recycled plastic bottles. And to me, it's a great example of how God will take your wounds and He will take your hurts and He will recycle them to be used for His purpose. And you... get to walk in freedom. You get to lay down the burden and lay down the hurt and the pain that you've been carrying with you for far too long. As we close today, I just want to make it available to you that at the end of the service, I'm going to hang around down front if you're at River Ridge today, Pastor Matt would be down front and he would love just the chance as I would just to talk with you. I don't want to minimize your hurt and your pain and the things that you're going through. But I want to remind you that because forgiveness comes to you through the cross of Jesus Christ, it can flow through you into the lives of those who have hurt you the most. And you can walk in freedom when you offer forgiveness. I'm going to pray for us, and then I want you to see the second part of this video before we sing our last song together. Father, thank you that in Christ you offer us the forgiveness of of not just some, not just a few, but you offer us the forgiveness of all of our sins. And Lord, I know that in my own life I'm realizing there's things that I've just never dealt with as I imagine there are others in this room and others who are listening that have never dealt with. And so, Lord, I pray that in this moment that you would help us to discover, to take a a hard look inside of ourselves for the hurt that we might be still holding on to, that we've never truly forgiven those who have hurt us. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would do a work in our hearts so that all of us would be be able to walk in the freedom that you offer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Check out this video.